Now is the time that we're going to hear from Mike Mann, and Mike is one of our elders at Verde Valley Christian Church, and uh, I'm very excited to hear what Mike has to share with us this morning. Good morning. Well, thanks. How are you? You doing good? Good. Eight o'clock, huh? Whew. That's early. <laughs> Glad you guys are here. Hey, we're in a series called Practice. Uh, we've been in this series for three weeks. This is week four. We've got one more next week. Um, and, uh, and basically, the idea of this series is that we are talking about um, things that we as believers in Jesus, as the church of Jesus, we are, are going to practice these things in our daily lives, in our relationships with one another, in the things that we do. And, and so week one, we're just going to do a real quick recap here. In week one, we talked about abiding daily, abide daily, that we have an intimate close, daily relationship, relationship with Jesus uh, in his word, uh, with him, studying uh, his word, learning about him, walking with him, praying, talking with him about our daily lives, being filled up with his love so that we can then, number two, pursue relationally. See, it's hard for us to pursue others relationally if we're not abiding daily. And so these things kind of go in order, right? So as we abide daily, we pursue others relationally. Those are, that are far from God, those that are, near, that are near to God, those in the body here at VVCC, those in our community, in our family, in our workplace, we're to pursue them relationally and love them first as God loved us first. Uh, us first. And then thirdly, we're um, to guide biblically, a lot of times I think that so, when people come to us for answers to some of their common questions in life or their struggles or their challenges or the things they've got going on in their world, we often want to give them our opinion and tell them what we heard on Dr. Phil. You know what I mean? Instead of go to God's word and say, hey, what does the Bible say about this? How, how can I love you well with the truth from God's word? Not Bible thump you, but love you with truth from God's word. And then next week, we're going to jump into uh, a topic called engaging missionally, and that is reaching out to those who are far from God and loving them with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, when we talked a couple weeks ago about pursuing relationally, we want, we, we, the, the point of that is that as people who are loved by God, as we go and we pursue others, we, we want to know them. We, want, we don't want to just go, um, I don't know, have these superficial relationships with people. We want to actually get to know what's going on in their life, what's going on in their families, what's going on with their work and their world. With COVID-19, we have great opportunities to, to really pursue people in a way that's meaningful to them and helpful to their lives. Um, and so today, we're kind of going to reverse that a little bit, okay? The, another one of these practices or these responsibilities um, as believers in Jesus, is letting others know where we are. Where am I at spiritually, emotionally, physically? How am I doing? How, how are my thoughts? How are, how are my emotions? How, how am I doing walking in the light of truth in my relationship with God and others? And we call this today, what we're going to talk about today is living authentically. Number four, living Authentically, and, and I think that as I um, have been in ministry over the years and, and led, led in a church in Flagstaff and in Dallas and gotten to know people and, and walked through life with people, even in my work today, um, I have come to realize that one of the greatest 
needs of the human heart is to be fully known and fully loved at the same time. One of the greatest heart, uh, needs of the human's heart is to be fully known and fully loved by God and by people. But here's the problem. One of our greatest fears in life goes like this. If you really knew me, could you really love me? And let's just be honest. If, if you walked in here this morning and um, somehow I could tap into your brain, into your world, and I could take all your thoughts, emotions, feelings, hurts, habits, hang-ups, addictions, what, anything that's going on in your life for the last just week. I'm not talking about your whole, whole life. I'm talking about the last week, all your thoughts, all your motives, and I threw them up here on the screen with your name next to it. <laughs> You'd probably want to get out of here fast, wouldn't you? You'd be like, get me out of this place but let's be honest here. Okay, let's make this fair. If you took my thoughts and my motives and my intentions and my will and my things I've even said this week and put them up on the screen, you'd probably be looking for another church pretty quick, wouldn't you? You'd be like, get me away from this guy. Who is this guy? If you really knew me, could you or would you still love me? So what I want to do, just to really just break the ice here, okay? Follow with me. I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them your deepest, darkest secret. Okay, go. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, see, so you guys are like, yeah, right. Are you kidding me? That is not happening. We're in church. I can't even, you know. No. Um, did you have a little bit of anxiety, fear? Did your Apple Watch tell you to start breathing again? Okay, all right. So <laughs> if you have an Apple Watch, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Well, let me tell you a little bit about how this kind of worked out its way in my life, all right? Um, when I was a young man, young boy, from about the age of uh, 12 to about 30, that's kind of the time frame that I'm talking about here, uh, I grew up here in Cottonwood. Um, many of you probably know my family and, and know my dad. He's probably done your taxes for... 40 years, you know, he's a good man. You know he's a good man. He's a godly man. He loves Jesus. He loves us, um, our family and whatever. Uh, but the way that kind of my life played out from about junior high all the way through the time I was 30 is that, um, you know, I went to church, and uh, I was what I call a good Christian boy, okay? I looked you in the eyes. I shook your hand when I saw you at church. I played guitar in the worship team. I went to youth group. I was there every time the doors were opened. And, um, and I was this good Christian boy. But all the while, from about 12 to about 30, for 18 years, um, I, I, I struggled in some areas of my life. Uh, one particular area was in the area of pornography and, 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 some, and some things there that, that really just kept me from walking in the light and the fellowship with other people to the level that I really wanted to and that God wanted me to. And, um, and, and I, didn't, I, didn't, um, I didn't live authentically uh, with, with others. And my, and my life was, was kind of marked by, by the sin struggle that I was so, so terrified of, so petrified to share with anybody because I thought, man, if you knew me, you couldn't love me. There's no way. 
There's no way that if you knew all these things about me, you couldn't love me. And so I kind of hid out. And I played these kind of two, these two, these two roles in my life. I had like Christian Mike, and then I had like, and, and churchy Mike, and then I had like, um, like this kind of broken hiding out Mike. And it was really um, a really hard thing in my life. And it almost ruined my marriage, and it ruined relationships. And then it kind of came to a head when I turned 30. And God really started to help me to, to walk in the light, to live authentically before God and others. Why is it this way? Why is it this way that we kind of, that we hide out and we hide our sin from others and don't walk in the light with others? Point number one. Sin naturally leads to isolation. Sin naturally leads to isolation. Let me tell you a story from the Bible. God had created heaven and earth. Everything was good. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. They're walking with him every day. And and, and then all of a sudden, we don't get three chapters into the Bible. We get three chapters in the Bible. And sin enters in. And sin naturally leads us to isolation. Genesis 3, 6 through 9 says this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And I think the interesting thing about this, about sin leading us to, to isolation, is that, um, is that sin separates us like geographically. Uh, I mean, sin doesn't separate us geographically, but it separates us emotionally from one another. It separates us emotionally from God. It separates us from the reality of life. And, and while we gather geographically but remain emotionally distant or we live dishonestly with one another, sin, sin causes this damage and this brokenness and this, and this isolation from one another. But as we mature, as we understand the absolute necessity of having other people in our lives and knowing where they struggle, their proclivities, where they're prone to wander, like the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Point number two, sin naturally, or I'm sorry, isolation leads to trusting in yourself. See, when we, when we isolate ourselves, we end up trusting in ourselves. Jeremiah 17.9 speaks of this, that this is not a good idea, that when I isolate myself, that I trust in myself. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment, all sound wisdom. 
1 John 1.8 says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, here's the deal. When we, when we isolate ourselves, when we trust in ourselves, when we think we can handle our sin on our own, when we don't open it up to the fellowship of God and to others, we don't open up our hearts and really be honest about what's going on in our lives, we're saying this. We're saying, I can manage this on my own. And we begin the practice of sin management. I sin managed for 18 years. It nearly destroyed all my relationships, including my most important earthly relationship, the one with my wife. I don't need to share this struggle with anybody. I got this. I can do this on my own. See, sin naturally leads to isolation, and isolation leads to trusting in myself. Point two, trusting in myself, not in God. So if sin leads to isolation, and isolation leads, leads to trusting in myself rather than relying on God and leaning into the fellowship with others, how do I fight against this? What's the solution? How does this work its way out in the life of a believer in Jesus? And that is our fourth practice, living authentically. Living authentically. See, the Bible calls living authentically walking in the light. Walking in the light. We go back to that story of Adam and Eve. What happens? What happened when, when, when sin was exposed? When, 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 when God realized, like, hey, what's going on? Where are you? They went and they hid in the shadows, didn't they? They covered themselves. Adam was like, well, the woman that you gave me, she made me eat. He blamed her, you know. We blame, we do all these things, but, but, but the answer to the problem of isolation and struggle is living authentically or walking in the light. And what this means is confessing our sin, our shortcomings, as well as our temptations and our struggles and our hurts and our habits and our hangups and our addictions and our compulsive behavior or our thoughts that just kind of get away from us. It's sharing the deeper part of our lives with each other. Which leads me to my third point, Living authentically is God's provision and my responsibility. It's God's provision and my responsibility. Here we go. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. It says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour seeking someone to devour. And here's what I believe is that walking and living authentically, walking in the light of fellowship with others, people who know me, who love me, who know my challenges, my struggles, my, my, my proclivities, my, my, you know, when, when I'm not walking with Jesus, where my heart is bent to wander towards. Authenticity is God's provision for protection against the enemy. Opening those things up to fellowship, to community, to my small group, to my women's group, my men's group, my fellowship. Opening that up, opening my heart up, revealing the things in my heart that just aren't perfectly aligned with God's will and what he wants for me. And letting others in is God's provision of protection against the enemy who wants to seek to devour me. Like a roaring lion seeking to hunt me down. I need people in my life who can call me 
to encourage me, to shepherd me, to love me, to care for me, to walk through these things with me. Listen to what Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. When I read that, just so you guys know how my brain works, do you guys remember like in 1985, uh, Mr. T? Pity the fool. <laughs> remember that? Sorry. Let's try to wake you guys up a little bit here. Pity the fool. Pity the fool who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Who can defend themselves? A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So here's the deal, guys. If you find yourself kind of sitting here listening to this and going, wow, okay, this is interesting, um, but I'm not sure. Or you might, maybe you're saying these things, well, so-and-so in my small groups never asked me how I'm doing, so I don't feel like I need to share. They don't ask me. They don't really care. Or my small group just doesn't open up, so why should I have to open up? I don't want to be the one to start talking about my stuff first, you know? We'll, we'll, we'll wait for somebody else to do it. If that's you, I want you to just really pay special attention to what we're talking about in this value because it probably means you're the first person that needs to open your mouth and say, hey, all is not perfect in my life. All is not as it may seem. So I believe that we have to not just think accountability is something special that other people do. We've got to run to accountability. We've got to run to living authentically. We've got to run to our small group, run to our women's group, our Bible studies, our men's studies, and go and tell people, hey, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's going on in my heart. We need to follow the example of Jesus, who in that final hour, the night before he was to be taken away, he was, he was in the garden, and he's praying, and, he, and he's asking his disciples, hey, will you watch over me? Will you pray for me? If the perfect son of man needed others to watch for, pray for, and encourage him, how much more so do we need that? And I just believe that a wise man or a wise woman knows they need prayer and encouragement. It is a fool who thinks otherwise. A humble man knows he is prone to wonder. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Matthew 5, 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who live authentically. Blessed are those who know their proclivities. Blessed are those who know that they're one bad choice away from ruining everything in their life. Blessed are they. Romans 7, 8, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who, who like knew Jesus. He, he's like this main character in your New Testament. He wrote about half the New Testament, roughly. 
This is a guy who walked very intimately with God. Listen to what he says. In, in Romans 7, 18, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Apostle Paul even knew, hey, I'm just one bad decision away from ruining everything in my life. Living authentically is, is God's provision, and it's our responsibility. Which leads me to point four, my favorite point. The heart that is well is the heart that tells. Got that? The heart that's well is the heart that tells. A sick heart hides. A messy heart that wants to hide and cover up sin and struggles or pain or addiction or hurts or whatever's going on in your life wants to hide back in the shadows cover everything up. Don't let anybody see us. Don't let don't anybody in to know what's going on. I got to put on this mask. I got to look like everything's good. I got to show up on Sunday and you know, be that model Christian, that perfect guy or that perfect gal. But the heart that's well is the heart that tells James 5.16 says it this way. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as, as it is working. You ever go to like small group or Bible study and then and you show up and it's like time for prayer? And it's like, hey, can we take prayer requests? And somebody's like, yeah, well, my sister's husband's nephew's mom who's related to my cat had surgery and we need to pray for that cat. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little bit of an exaggeration. But you know what I'm talking about? I was like, least like, how far removed from my reality do I need to get to offer up a prayer request in Bible study rather than, hey, you know what? I'm prone to wonder this week. COVID-19 has got me down. And I am trying to find life in, in places other than through Jesus. Would you pray for me? Would you walk through that with me? Would you help me? That's what James 5.16 is talking about. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. 1 John 1.7 says it this way. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all our sin. Notice that there's three parts in this thing. Me, God, and others. And let's say confess your sins only to God. He says, hey, talk about it. I've put people in your life. I planted the Holy Spirit in them that they might counsel you and shepherd you and love you and encourage you and help you through this time in your, in your struggle. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. The last thing I believe that anybody of us need, any of us need in our lives is supper club. Well, we go pat each other on the shoulder and tell each other what a great job we're doing. We need to be honest about the things that go on in our life and the hurts and the addictions and the habits and the hang-ups and the things that happen in our lives. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. This is, this is the Apostle Paul again talking. This is my last kind of example of talking about a heart that swells, a heart that opens up and tells. Um, Paul apparently had something going on in his life, this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. 
There's a lot of speculation about it. Was the thorn in his flesh, was it, you know, was it um, an actual physical ailment? Was it some, some kind of emotional thing going on? Was it, you know, a, an area where he struggled? We don't, we don't know exactly what it was. But, but in that, he's asking God, like, hey, would you remove this from me? And God says, no, hold on, I'm not going to remove it. But he said, God says to Paul in, first, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. Now listen to Paul's response. Therefore... I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. My friend Jonathan Pecluda, who's a pastor in Waco, Texas, uh, he, he puts it this way, and I think this is really great. He says, if dependency is the goal, dependency on Jesus is the goal, then weakness is to our advantage. (laughs) If dependency is the goal, then weakness is our advantage. I'll boast all the more of my weakness so that Christ's power might be perfected in me, is what Paul said. Now here's the deal, guys. Here's the gospel, okay? If I was to just come to you and say, hey, Start, go, go to your small group, go to your men's group, go to your women's group, go to your breakfast, go to your whatever, go to your community group, your small group, and, and, and just start doing this without laying a foundation for it. That would be kind of cruel and unusual. It might actually get you hurt, okay? But we've got, we've got to, all of us, everybody as a body of believers, we've got to come together around the gospel and understand what the gospel says about this. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 is, is the gospel. It says, but God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. You can't get more um, dead than dead. Right? We were dead. We, 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 we weren't even able to, to do anything to, to fix our problems, to, to, to walk in the light like we're talking about, to, to, be, to have a heart that tells, to have a, tar- a heart that's open to, to, uh, to community and to fellowship. We're dead in our trespasses and sin, but he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And that's the foundation for all of this, guys. That's the foundation for, 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 for walking in the light, for, for having a heart that's going to be open to sharing our struggles with others. We have to know that in Christ, the, le- the, 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 the field is level. The foot of the cross is level. And when we walk in the light of his grace and his love and his mercy, then we have a heart that's well. And I would, I would say the heart that's well is the heart that tells. The heart as well is the heart that tells about the great grace of God that's working in my life even as sin is ever present 
knocking at my door. I can walk in fellowship with God and with others and walk in freedom from my sin. There's a song on the, on the radio right now that uh, is being played, and it just kind of speaks to all this really well, I think, honestly. And so um, I'm going to give up the last few minutes of talking, and, and we're going to just kind of quietly sit. I mean, if you know the song, you can sing it, but we're going to sit and listen to this song by a guy by the name of Matthew West. It's called The, the Truth Be Told. Listen to this, and then I'll come back and pray. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. Line number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. truth be told the truth is rarely told I say I'm fine, yeah I'm fine oh I'm fine, hey I'm fine but I'm not I'm broken and when it's out of control I say it's under control but it's not and you know it I don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. There's a sign on the door that says come as you are, but I doubt it. Cause if we lived like that was true, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. Didn't you say church should look more like a hospital? A safe place for the sick, the sinner and the scarred and the prodigals like me. Well, truth be told, the truth is rarely told. Oh, am I the only one who says I'm fine? Yeah, I'm fine. But it's not And you know it I don't know why it's so hard to admit it When being honest is the only way to fix it There's no failure, no fall There's no sin you don't already know So let the truth be told There's no failure, no fault, there's no sin you don't already know. 
failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Let the truth be told. We're not always all right, are we? Sometimes we're just not all right, and that's all right. So the God who came and dealt with our not all rightness. He sent his son to die on a cross to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all sin so that we can then walk in the light of fellowship and intimacy. We can live authentically with one another. And the world will change. Our lives will change. The world's lives will change. Cottonwood will change. The Birdie Valley will change. Our nation will change. And God will be glorified and lifted up. Let's pray. God, thank you for today and for this time together as a church family. Um, God, I just, I just admit to you that there are days where I, walk out, I, I wake up and I say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, and I'm not. Your word says that my heart is, is, is just prone to wonder. The old hymn says our, our, our hearts are prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. So I just pray for us, Lord, as a church in a community that is broken and hurting and messy, sometimes hard to love, that we would recognize that you first loved us when we were broken and messy and hurting and hard to love. And that we would then love them with the same love you gave us. And that we would walk in the light of fellowship with one another. That we would walk in the truth, Lord. That it's not always all fine. Sometimes we're broken and, and we need you and we need others to come alongside us. To help us to walk in the light of truth. To walk in that fellowship that you call us to. To walk in the healing that you have prepared for us. That we might be an effective witness of your grace and your love in our lives. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus and all that he did. Coming from a perfect, amazing fellowship with you, leaving heaven to come here to earth to die a, a sinner's death, to cover us with his blood that we might have restored fellowship with you. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.